We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. Glad to have you with us today. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host for the show. You can check out my podcast page by going to AFR.net, AFR.net, clicking on the AFA at the Core podcast. Also, we're on the app on the American Family Radio app. You can find my podcast there as well. And uh, we're on all the major social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the YouTube, and other places as well. Uh, By the way, I've got an AFA at the Core Facebook page up and running now where we're live video streaming the show. So if you go to Facebook and just type in AFA at the Core, you should be able to find us there. Uh, We also have a link to all of our social pages on my show page at AFR.net. At the AFA at the Core show page is uh, where all of the links to my social pages are posted. So you can go there and find whichever platform you prefer and uh, follow me there, follow the show there. Hey, we got a busy week. Um, We're already a day in (laughs) uh, to our, our, our week here. Uh, Technically two days in, I get it. Sunday's the first day of the week. I know, I know. Uh, but as far as the show goes, we're one day in, and um, so we're going to jump right to it. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 is our scripture for the week. And the the thing about the Proverbs is, at least this chapter, um, you can't take one verse without the other. It doesn't, it doesn't go together <laughs> if you take one verse without the other. So that's why I've been going with two verses, with a pair of verses, uh, because that's the context of the scripture here. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats with will be bursting with wine. Uh, that's Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Uh, so honor, your, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. That's out of the book of Proverbs. So let's honor God with our first fruits. And in this day and age, uh, that's that's our, our income. Whatever uh, your income is, uh, honor God with the first part or portion of your income. Don't let him. Don't let God and His church and supporting God's work be at the bottom of your budget. Uh, as a last thing to do. It needs to be up at the top as a first priority for your giving. And uh, also remember that we we aren't just called to give of our finances, of our first fruits. We're also called to give of our time and energy. Uh, so your contribution to the church, to the body of Christ, comes in many different ways. Uh, so don't forget that as well. A lot of people get caught up in, oh, I just got to do my tithe. I just got to do my, got to give my 10%. Uh, but then they don't they don't use any of their other abilities and resources to aid in the body of Christ. Uh, so we've got to use all of our talents and abilities to aid the body of Christ, not just our dollar bills. It's much more than that. 
Um, our, our resource of the week, by the way, is this excellent pocket constitution. I've got it here in studio with me if you're watching online. Uh, we're, on, we're live streaming on the AFA at the Core YouTube channel and the Facebook page, the AFA at the Core Facebook page. Uh, but this constitution um, is just that. It's the U.S. Constitution, a little pocket constitution, and we got a foreword by our good friend Stephen McDowell, uh, expert, constitutional expert, founding uh, George Washington expert, the, the list goes on. So we've got this great pocket constitution um, for you in, in, in our resource center. Resources.afa.net is where you can find that. Hey, jumping right into the news of the week, um, uh, Bobby sent me over this article last week, and this was a, a short opinion piece by Dick Morris. And here is here's the, here's the headline. This is out of Newsmax. He... Uh, he wrote a, a, a article, uh, an op-ed with the headline, Texas Abortion Decision, a Catastrophe for Republican Chances in 2022. Well, here, here's, here's a little background on this Texas law, by the way. The Texas law, and I'm giving you a 30,000-foot uh, overview. The Texas uh, abortion law that protects innocent life, it protects babies, uh, what it does is it it equips it allows um, private citizens to sue anyone who aids or commits murder via abortion, um, whether that be the doctor, the 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 facility, uh, the doctor. That's in air quotes. Uh, the facility, um, anyone involved with helping the uh uh. uh the facility murder the child. That's what it does. And so it really, uh, it, it opens up a, a large liability um, for anyone who participates in abortion. All right, so that's that's basically the overview. Anyone who participates in abortion after six weeks is liable to be sued for their actions. All right. And let's remember here, okay, before we get lost in the mumbo-jumbo and the talking snake media, as, as our good friend Brian Frischer used to say, uh, let's remember that the entire uh, uh, premise of this discussion, all right, is based on the truth that human life begins at conception. Human life begins at conception, thus killing a baby or murdering a baby at seven weeks, at three weeks, at 25 weeks, is just that. It's ending a human life by will. So that has to be our, our, our foundation, right? We have to have a good solid foundation, good fundamental beliefs in what is life. When does life begin? Because if we, if we miss that, if we have that wrong or we can't agree on human life, then the rest of about the law and the repercussions, that's all mumbo-jumbo, and it doesn't really matter, all right? Human life begins at conception. That's the truth. That's not my opinion. That is fact. That is truth. I've brought in uh, the medical side of things, the scientific side of things, um, talking about life beginning at conception, about all, all the major scientists and studies. I mean, this is established science. Human life begins at conception. And then you have God's word, which is ultimate, final, and truth. God's word says the same thing. Life begins at conception. 
Uh, it, said, it even says that God knew us even before uh, we were we were created. We were formed in our mother's womb. But the reason I bring in this Dick Morris piece is because this is indicative of what is wrong with our culture. Many people in our society and in our culture are too swept up with with political probabilities than they are with actual truth, hardcore facts, and reality. And the reality is that I don't give a rip if that's even a proper saying. I don't care at all, let me just say that, about Republican chances in 2022, all right? I care about saving innocent babies. You know why? Because at least in this area, maybe not in every other area, but at least in this area, I have my priorities in order. I don't care if Republicans or Democrats run Congress in 2022 or 2024. You know why? Because it really doesn't change much, all right? It does change some. Okay, don't don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not dismissing, dismissing the importance of elections, but you know what's more important than Republicans winning in 2022? Saving an estimated 180 babies a day in just the state of Texas because of this excellent law that they passed. That's what I care about. So Dick Morris needs to get his priorities in order. Do we care more about politics and fundraising for political action committees? Or do we care about saving life? Because if you change this to uh, talk about any other sin, any other, any other issue um, as critical as this, then it's trivial. I mean, imagine Dick Morris, I don't know, like 50 to 75 years ago, talking about how we need to maintain slavery because it's good for the Democrats on the ballot. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, we don't do that because why? Slavery is bad. It is evil. It is sinful. So we don't prop it up for political purposes. And this is why ending the sin and the stain that is abortion should be a top priority for every human being on this planet. You want to know why? Not only does God's word say that human life begins at conception, but you and I are here because we weren't aborted. So we should fight for those who don't have a voice so that they can have an opportunity at life just like you and I. That's why. That is humane. That is sensible. And that's what we should all be about. So uh, no politics uh, on my plate. I'm concerned about saving babies, and you should be too. Um, A a couple clips on this topic. The uh, Republicans, they are just so weak. I'm speaking generally here, but especially the ones in Washington. They're so weak, and they waffle, and they float, and they do whatever the polls say is the most important thing to do, which is the entire premise of the Dick Morris piece in Newsmax. Um, But listen to this. This is Senator Bill Cassidy. I wanted to just, I don't know, go outside and maybe uh, hurl up some something, maybe my lunch, when I listen to this piece. But Senator Cassidy is questioned by George Stephanopoulos about his view of the Texas abortion law. And instead of ardently defending it as a good thing for innocent babies, he waffled and he and he bounced and he tried to play politics. Clip four, let's listen. Republican Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana and, and Senator Cassidy, thank you for joining us this morning. Let's pick, off where we, pick up where we just left off uh, with, with, uh, with Mr. Richmond, uh, this Texas abortion ban. Do you support it? I am pro-life. 
But let's be clear, George. The ruling on SCOTUS was that the plaintiffs did not have standing. It had nothing to do with the constitutionality of Roe v. Wade. It was only on if the plaintiffs had standing. People are using it to gin up their base to distract from disastrous policies in Afghanistan, maybe for fundraising appeals. I wish we'd focus on issues as opposed to, as opposed to theater. It was about if they had standing, nothing to do with constitutionality. I think we should move on to other issues. Well, except that, it, so the law is being enacted right now. And let's talk about the underlying law, which is let's talk about the substance of the underlying law. It gives private citizens the right to enforce this law. It actually tasks private citizens with enforcing this law. And the Wall Street Journal uh, came out against that this week. They called it, said an editorial calling it the Texas abortion law blunder, saying the law sets an awful precedent that conservatives should hate. Could California allow private citizens to sue individuals for hate speech or New York deputized private lawsuits against gun owners. So setting aside the standing issue, what do you think of the underlying substance of the law? I think the Supreme Court will swat it away once it comes to them in an appropriate manner. Uh, if it is as terrible as people say it is, it'll be destroyed by the Supreme Court. Answer the question, Senator Cassidy, you Republican, you conservative from Louisiana. Stop dribbling the ball around the court and just make the shot. Just say I'm for the law. The law is good. You want to know why? Because about 700 babies were saved last week. That's why the law is good, Mr. Stephanopoulos, and I'm pro-life, and I'm willing to do anything and everything within the bounds of the law to protect life, to protect babies. And I think every state should have this law, as a matter of fact, and that's what I'm going to try to do. No, he goes, well, uh, well, this really wasn't about that. This was about uh, standing and and maybe, you know, this could be struck down before SCOTUS. And who knows? Just answer the question. And this is why, you know, the Republicans lose every once in a while because they don't fight. They don't fight like the, the Democrats do. Maybe it's because these Republicans don't actually believe what Republicans are supposed to believe. That's why they don't fight for their alleged beliefs. <laughs> wow. Never did I think I would hear a Republican wiffle and waffle about a pro-life law that saves babies. Absolutely stunning. Well, I'll say it. The law in Texas is a good law. It protects innocent life and gives private citizens the ability to protect innocent life as well. Good for Texas. Maybe more states should do the same. And I'm going to actually fight for more states to do the same. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Many who oppose Christianity target their hostility on our foundation, the Bible. They say it's unreliable because Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are contradictory accounts of the creation story. In actuality, the two chapters are complementary and not contradictory. When Jesus was asked about marriage, he quoted from both chapters 1 and 2 in saying that he made them both to be male and female in the beginning, and for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. Genesis 1 is an overview of the creation story. Genesis 2 is an up-close examination of day 6. If Jesus relies on them both, so can we. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III. 
public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. True love is a term that we hear in movies, songs, and even on the playground. But this idea can lead girls to think their teenage crush is actually hashtag couple goals, movie scene, or true love. But rather than true love, they're experiencing infatuation and large doses of like. Their understanding of love is rooted only in enjoyable emotions or physical feelings, allowing it to come and go like the tide. Certainly not a lasting foundation for a lifelong relationship. Our girls can turn to scripture for guidance. There they will find a different view of true love, one where true love is from God. Understanding God's design for love is crucial to seeing how true love, patient and kind, leads to a strong marriage and remains rooted in sacrifice for the whole. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. I'm writing up a pink slip now for Bobby and my brother Wesley. They're in here cutting up as we come out of the break. So I want to send them to the principal's <laughs> office. <laughs> yeah, Marty's good. Marty's behaving. He's got the video rolling. He's coming in out of the break. He's holding down the fort. For He's us. holding down the fort. No, I'm kidding. Hey, uh, I got my brother Wesley Wildman in here, vice president of outreach, and he also hosts uh, Share Truth or Ply Scripture, which is a Saturday show here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us, Wesley. Hey, glad to be back. And you know what? You, I think when I was in school, you had to get at least two or three, maybe four tardies before you actually went. So that's just strike one in my opinion. Yeah, there was you no warning plenty shot there at all. No, that plenty, just came out of right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Plenty of room here. Hey, I don't play, all hey. right? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, hey, Wesley, we have a guest with us that I want to jump right to yeah, because uh, homeschooling is, is, has been, been in the news. A lot of parents were getting calls even here to American Family Association right. about what does it take to homeschool? What do I need to know? How do I need well, to be prepared? And also, too, if you noticed in the last um, – it spiked there um, uh, years back, but we're having a new spike in homeschooling because of the overreach in about three areas in public schools, and that's one with the CRT, two with the LGBT uh, push, and now, most recently, with the over – reaching protocols from COVID. Right. Those are the three reasons why there's been a huge spike. So we have a wonderful guest to talk about homeschooling. That's right. I want to welcome to the line uh, Jim Mason. He's a vice president at uh, HSLDA, Homeschool Legal Defense Association. 
uh, which they do great work in regards to homeschooling. Hey, Jim, welcome to AFA at the Core. Hey, it's my pleasure to be with you guys today. Hey, Jim, for those who I'm, I'm, I'm vaguely or, or I'm semi-familiar with your work at HSLDA, uh, tell our listeners maybe who've never heard of your organization, tell them a little bit about your work, your background, and what you're doing now. Well, back in 1983, when if you'd asked uh, 50 attorneys general around the country if homeschooling was legal, they would have likely said no. So our founders, Mike Ferris and Mike Smith in 1983, set up a way for homeschoolers to get uh, quality legal defense at no cost. And so those very early years of the homeschooling movement were moving back those uh, 50s, 50 attorneys generals from saying no homeschooling is not legal to today it's not only unquestionably legal in all 50 states, but it's considered to be a real option for many families. Um, who never would have thought of it years and years ago. And our, our primary mission is to keep homeschooling free, to expand the boundaries of freedom, and we do that by helping one family at a time if they're facing some kind of legal obstacle. Hey, Jim, uh, one thing I noticed when when looking at your website and studying more about your organization in recent months is, is you guys now are doing, are doing a lot more than just legal defense. I mean, as you mentioned, that's your primary goal, your primary mission is to defend the legal rights of parents to homeschool their children. Um, but uh, uh, tell a little bit about some of the resources you provide. Um, I mean, you guys got a ton of information uh, at your website. Yeah, so uh, we like to think of our job as to uh, make homeschooling possible for as many people as possible. And one of the ways we do that is provide all these resources you're talking about. So we have an entire department of educational consultants that can help if you have a child with learning difficulties or if you're wondering about homeschooling through high school, we have people who can help you uh, with that, including, you know, how do you set up a transcript? How do you set up a kid for success getting into college? We have an online academy that uh, provides high-quality uh, online high school classes, and some of those are even designed to help pass the advanced placement test. Um, we have... Uh, a huge outreach right now. You mentioned uh, some of the things that are happening. Well, lots and lots of people are considering homeschooling. And so a big thing that we do is uh, provide the general public with a lot of good resources for those people who are either on the cusp of uh, deciding to homeschool or, or some people who have kind of jumped in, but they're not quite sure how to do it. So we do webinars, and we have podcasts, and we have all kinds of resources available to those people. We also have a, a huge charitable wing where, um, because of the generosity of our donors, we can help homeschoolers who are experiencing hard times. Um, we've been doing that for many years. One of the things that uh, just recently, the, the big hurricane Ida that's caused flooding and all those sorts of things, um, we're, we're helping replace curriculum and things like that for, for homeschooling families. And because of the huge interest in homeschooling over the last year and a half, um, we, we received some big grants to help uh, homeschooling organizations around the country that are, are trying to uh, provide innovative ways for parents to homeschool. Um, so this is a really exciting time because not only the legal landscape, but technology and all of the things you mentioned that are kind of encouraging people to look for different educational options are all working together. We're trying to get as many people into the homeschooling uh, pool as we possibly can. Hey, this is Wesley Walker's brother here. 
my, my one of the questions I was looking forward to asking you, and that is for the those that are maybe not as familiar with homeschooling, or that's not something that they have interest in at this point. Um, what are some of the overreaches that you're seeing in government into homeschooling that they would probably need to be aware of, or maybe uh, what's the most current one, and then what's something that as your organization, as your ministry looks forward to down the road as being an overreach from the government? So for homeschoolers today, I mean, it's quite a lot different than it used to be. It used to be whether homeschooling was legal right. at all, and it didn't really matter too much how good the education that parents were providing uh, was. Today, it's like a lot of other things. Uh, homeschooling in many states, is kind of overseen by a huge bureaucracy. And a lot, I mean, we handle hundreds of calls a day Mm. um, just helping people kind of navigate that bureaucracy. And and sometimes it's pretty routine, it's easy to answer a question, and sometimes, um, you know, this is sort of one of the scenarios that pops up pretty much all, you know, every year at, at more than one place. And that's a new person gets in charge of the, of overseeing the homeschooling paperwork. And they decide that they're going to make the homeschoolers in their area really toe the mark. And they come up with some pretty interesting and creative and often uh, extra-legal kinds of solutions. So, for example, one one that just last year, we had a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court of the state of Virginia. And it was where a school board decided that it didn't like the state law, so it passed its own law. The only problem was it didn't have any legislative authority to do that. And so we had to sue the school district and um, take it all the way to the Supreme Court of Virginia, That uni- and they unanimously said, look, the legislature in Virginia decides the homeschooling laws, not, you know, each of 160 school districts. Hmm. Well, that's the point that I was uh, – I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I wanted our listening audience to know that even when you – even if or when you ever make that decision to go into homeschooling, uh, you're not exempt from having to deal with government officials and everything, so it's mm-hmm. that much more important that we elect good um, good leaders. Yeah, that's exactly right. Hey, Jim, uh, give out your website where folks can find you um, before we let you go here. HSLDA.org. That's HSLDA.org for Homeschool Legal Defense Association. All right, awesome. Jim. Hey, Thank God you. bless your work. We'll have you back on soon. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. That was uh, Jim Mason with Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And, you know, every year, at least for the past two years, we've really gotten intentional here at American Family Association, Wesley, uh, with supporting other ministries. Mm-hmm. And this year we've, we've decided to give $50,000 to HSLDA. Yep. Uh, we have other partner ministries as well. Um, but but it's so important. Well, AFA can't do everything. I mean, that's that's a statement that doesn't even need to be said. But American Family Association, we can't do everything. We try to do as much as we can, mm-hmm. stay focused on our mission, our vision, and core values. Uh, but we can't provide homeschool legal defense right. like HSLDA is doing and all these resources as well. Uh, so we're financially we're, we're financially invested in their work. Uh, we approve of their work, and that's why I wanted to have Jim on. Yeah, I'm glad you did that. It's very important that we do as Papa taught us, Papa being my uh, – Don, being Don Wildman, my papa and Walker's papa, who taught us to AKA partner. A.K.A. grandfather. Grandfather. <laughs> uh, encouraged us and taught us um, from the very beginning of AFA to make sure that we're partnering with and sharing our platforms for those that are doing things in different uh, spheres 
than we are yet mm-hmm. have the same purpose and mission in mind. So that's right. That's a great idea. Hey, look, I want to get into with eight minutes I got left something I'm really passionate about. Okay, and I, I just the last couple of weeks and well, no, let me let me back up. The last couple the year and a half, ever since we've done the lockdowns with COVID and everything, and how that has just dramatically changed sports. Something that I grew up uh, playing. I played all the sports and. I know that sports is a, a great place in uh, the lives of Christians as far as it co- relates to ministry opportunities, mm-hmm. as it relates to teaching uh, kids about life and all that. And I'm I'm a little league coach, baseball coach, and so there's just a lot of value in sports. If if obviously it can be misused, you know, like sure. anybody else, it can be over prioritized. But in its proper context, there's a lot of value there. Well, I've just seen the uh, the redesign of sports as it relates to these protocols and guidelines, and I just wanted to point out uh, the inconsistencies here of professional sports as it relates to their COVID protocols. And obviously, um, we could go on – I could we could spend every minute of AFA decor for the next year, and we would not be able to get <laughs> Talking to – Talking about hypocrisy? Yeah, we would not be able to get to all the – if you were to combine all the major sports, their hypocrisy here and all – And how political it is yeah, now. And very, this, this goes directly into what you're talking about. Exactly. So – with that said, before I get into a few things that I want to remind our audience about COVID and some of the hypocrisies directly as it relates to the NBA, I want to play a clip uh, number six real quick, and then I'll make some comments. We miss going to the games we love. And celebrating with those closest to us. But we have reason to hope. And the ball is in our court. Wear a mask and keep a social distance. Vaccines are rolling out. Get informed. Talk to your doctor. And when it's your turn, take the shot against COVID-19. The vaccines are safe, effective, and free. So let's do our part to protect each other. And get back in the game. Okay. All right. Stop it. All, All right. right. What was that? What did we right. just hear? We just heard one of several uh, ESPN commercials that support the um, COVID protocols. Okay. Here's the problem I have. All that. There's a lot in there that you go, oh, okay, I got you. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. The problem I'm having here is the word effective. And safe, they said as well. And safe. But I'm having even more of a problem with, with the, the word. Effective. With the effective. I agree. Me. Yeah, I see where you're going here. And here, because you can, you can, people's word of safe, the definition of that can be manipulated yeah, well, to our, fit the our, occasion. Our, our standards may be different on what's on what safe, is, safe. Right. right. But effective. I don't want to go skydiving, but others right. might. <laughs> right. They might call it safe. Yes. <laughs> good, good analogy. But the word effective in here in this commercial, which was used in, in, in other commercials on ESPN throughout the week, and there was a streaming commercial that I couldn't find, yeah. but it was very similar, is outright a bold face lie. There's nothing about that statement that has that stands on any reality because even Bill Belichick, who is one of the football coaches for the New England or the head coach of the New England Patriots, said himself that there have been countless people inside the NFL and trainers and staff members who have been vaccinated and yet still have COVID. Bobby, would you want to make a comment? I I would. Uh, The Red Sox are near and dear to my heart. Yes. And virtually half of their lineup right now, they've got guys coming up from single-A ball, I believe, (laughs) that are trying to to, to fill the holes uh, simply because of COVID. COVID yep. testing. These, these are fully vaccinated fully teams. Fully vaccinated teams. Uh, Georgia, they have to. By the way, let me insert another team here. Uh, Georgia football. Yep. Uh, their coach got interviewed over the weekend. They've yep. got four or five players and their and their chief medical guy 
all fully vaccinated and they're at home, can't play football because they got COVID. Got it. Well, I didn't know that. And, well, and the old Mrs. head football coach. I mean, the list goes on here. We all know someone personally. Now we're knowing these professional athletes. Here's a, here's something else. So a couple reminders, and then before we end the program, I've got a mic drop for every one of you. For everyone that's listening right now, i got a mic drop for those that are coercing you or making you feel guilty for not getting the COVID shot. By the way, it's a shot, guys. All right, here we go. <laughs> Good point. Couple, three things I want to remind our audience and remind y'all in here. The COVID shot does not eliminate you from getting COVID, but it claim, but it claims, but it does claim to resi- reduce the severity of if you were to actually get COVID. Yes. Okay. Statement one. Number two, the COVID shot or the booster shot does not eliminate you from spreading COVID to other people. Or getting it. Or which getting is, which it. Which means you have yeah, it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. One and the same. And last but not least, if you're going, if you get COVID, you are in the 99% likelihood to recover from it. And then once you recover from it, you have antibodies, which is, which is, which is even better than the shot itself. Meaning this, I've had COVID, by the way, the flu for me, Wesley, personally, I'm speaking here. Yeah. The flu was four times more harmful and painful to my body and the physical suffering I went through, felt with, than COVID. With that said, that's just Wesley speaking here. With that said, I've already had, quote, so none of these cases, here we go, let me move into this. So the NBA is planning to separate those who take the shot, who do not take the shot. They're going to separate them, planning on it, separating them. Two different buses, two different meal times. Separate, uh, separate them, and even within those that are un that unvaccinated or do not quote unvaccinated, they're even considering separating them six feet apart and all that they do. The MLB is officially mandating employees not to get or mandating employees to and non sorry yes employees and non players yeah. so it could be coaches to get vaccinated, but they're not going to do that for the players. So the, 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 there's, I mean, the list goes on here. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, we got one more comment here. Sure. So a comment from the NFL chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Seals, said this. As of Thursday, 93% of NFL players are at least partially vaccinated. Partially vaccinated. Think about the – that doesn't even make sense. Vaccinated is not partial. You're, you're either you're vaccinated, vaccinated or, or you're, you're not. not. <laughs> partially vaccinated? Good point. That's a doctor. Yeah. Hey, I've got some some good news about the natural immunity. Yeah. I've got an excellent report we'll cover after the break. <laughs> nice. Hey, thanks, Wesley. Hey, enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. All right, folks, AFA at the core. Check out our website, AFR.net, to listen to the podcast, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church, 
Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here's another of our core values. AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. Thank you for standing with AFA, and we thank you for your support. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church and Jesus isn't the answer, where's the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to healthcare. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So, yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us for this last segment of the show. Hey, um, by the way, last segment, my brother and I, Wesley, we talked about several different things related to covid um, but the entire discussion was based on the shots and the effectiveness or the lack thereof of the shots. And let me just be clear here uh, before I get about 40 emails, all right? No, I'm not going to get 40. I never get 40 emails from my listeners, but you get the point. Um, when we're talking about effectiveness here, okay, we're, we're talking about how this shot is supposed to, it was sold to the public as it being a vaccine, meaning it eliminates illness. It eliminates the spread of the illness, all right? Um, that's the definition when you go to the CDC uh, website and the FDA website. Um, the definition, the historical definition of vaccines is to you get something, you get a medicine or a shot, and then it, it initiates a immunity response to where the person who has the vaccine uh, doesn't fall sick with said illness, whatever that illness is. Um, but but when we're talking about the lack of effectiveness, we're talking about how people with this shot are still getting and still spreading. 
the illness. And not not in minute numbers, in very large numbers. Um, they call them breakthrough cases. Um, so, so by definition, this thing is no longer acting like a vaccine. Um, at best, if, you, if the studies are true that we're seeing about how it eliminates or, I'm sorry, reduces severe illness, uh, that would be more of a therapeutic than it would be a vaccine. So if we want to change our terms here mid-game, I'm fine with that where we say, okay, this thing's no longer acting like a vaccine, it's more acting like a therapeutic or a prophylaxis, then that's fine. Let's talk about that. And then we can shift our strategy, but we can't keep calling this thing a vaccine and then at the same time keep talking about how everybody with the vaccine keeps getting sick. Um, You just can't have it both ways. you got to pick which route you're going to go. But right now, a lot of people are sticking with the vaccine route when by definition it's just not behaving like a vaccine. Um, hey, a good news story, um, and this has been known, but yet more studies are reaffirming what we already knew, and that is uh, natural immunity as it relates to COVID. Natural immunity is very, very durable, very, very strong. I have this uh, this study out of the University of Missouri. We had several uh, professors and colleagues at uh, University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri, covering uh, about 9,119 patients that were studied. And natural immunity lasts and and is very durable, according to this study. Uh, What were the results, you ask? The results were uh, your chance of reinfection for COVID. That means, and I'm not talking about this, this, and I've heard people talk about this, this, I think I had COVID and then I got it again. No, no. We're talking about clinically diagnosed. Uh, we're talking about people who we know for certain that they have had COVID twice. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about, well, uh, back in late 2019, I think I had something. No, we're talking about clinically confirmed cases of COVID. How often it is that people get it twice uh, that we that we know of within the last 18 to 24 months. Um, of the 9,119 patients that were reviewed, 63 of them became reinfected, which means less than 1% of the 9,119, less than 1% of them got reinfected. The rest of them, their natural immunity carried them through this study without reinfection. So that's why when I played the clip two weeks ago of the U.S. Surgeon General going on CNN saying that, that the shot is more effective then natural immunity at reinfection, at preventing reinfection, that's why I just called that a lie, a, a misnomer, a, mis, a, a non-truth when, when we played that clip because everything we see and everything we know about these viruses uh, show us that natural immunity is, is a good thing. It, it helps protect people from reinfection. And this study out of the University of Missouri uh, reaffirms that which we already suspected. So, uh, your chances of getting reinfected with COVID, at least within the next, within within a year or two after, is less than one percent chance uh, over a ninety nine percent chance of not beginning reinfected. And we'll post a link to this University of Missouri study on my podcast page at our website afr.net, so you can go there and check it out. One another thing we've known is is how good 
uh, exercise and being out in nature is. I came across this this story uh, out of Reuters, Thomas Reuters Foundation. Doctor's orders, nature prescriptions see rise amid pandemic is the headline. It talks about this lady uh, by the name of Annette Cohen in uh, the state of Washington. Well, she went to the doctor just for an annual checkup. And the doctor basically told her she needed to get outside and start walking, start exercising. Well, she started going to this uh, forest or this state park system in Washington State. Well, she went walking, she went camping, and uh, she's 53 years old, and she lost 30 pounds. She lost 30 pounds in a in a little over a year uh, because she got outside and she exercised, and she did what we've known for a long, long time on this earth, and that is getting outside and exercising is good for your body, um, good for your immune system. So um, why not go back to the basics um, and do what we know works to help prevent um, different kinds of health issues. Let's get outside, let's exercise, and get some vitamin D. Um, Another report today, this is a 900-page document was released through a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, about what was going on at the lab in China, in Wuhan, China. Well, it confirms that which we knew, or it affirms that which we knew, and suspected, and that is U.S. tax dollars did go to the Wuhan Institute of Virology in the sum of specifically $600,000 went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, to study bat viruses, to study bat viruses. Um, So uh, the U.S. um, was funding the Wuhan lab in China, and this goes right along with a clip I've had in the system for about two weeks, and this is the... um, Former Director of National Intelligence under President Trump, Ratcliffe, John Ratcliffe, talking about how the Wuhan lab leak theory is pretty much a well-established fact. Clip one, let's listen. Well, I'm not surprised that the uh, Biden administration is continuing to approach this in a way that uh, China's not the bad guy. Look, I've seen all of the intelligence up until eight months ago when I left the office as the Director of National Intelligence. And all of the intelligence, Laura, what I can tell you is it's all on one side of the ledger. It all points to the origins of the Wuhan virus being from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And there's no intelligence that points to this being naturally occurring. There's no intermediary host. All of our signals intelligence, all of our human intelligence, none of it points to that this was some naturally occurring virus. And so, unfortunately, many of us in the intelligence community that were there at the time really felt like the Wuhan Institute of Virology was more than just a probability. It was always close to a certainty. And I still feel that way, having seen all of the intelligence. And I would hope that the Biden administration would move to declassify some of the intelligence that I think would establish that point. Close to a certainty is what uh, the former DNI chief there, John Radcliffe, said, close to a certainty, in quotes, that the the virus that we're experiencing today uh, of COVID came out of a lab in Wuhan, China, close to a certainty. And for, for someone in government or former government official to say close to a certainty, um, it, it, it speaks for itself because that kind of language doesn't get used often uh, amongst the politicians and the bureaucrats. Um, came across uh, two two fake news stories, and people wonder, uh, maybe asking themselves, man, why does Walker not trust these experts? 
Why doesn't he trust the doctors and the MDs and the the epidemiologists, all the big names who've been doing this for a living? Why doesn't he trust them? Well, uh, there's a lot of reasons why uh, to speculate and to question what we're being told. And I could go on and do three hours worth of radio content about the experts being wrong in multiple areas. Well, um, this one is out of uh, Oklahoma. And (laughs) RollingStone.com, not that I uh, use them for a daily uh, news source, but they published an article about how people basically, let me just summarize the article. Um, Well, no, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it for you, our listener, because me paraphrasing it will not do it justice. Reading from this Rolling Stones article, a Rolling Stone article, September 6th is the date this was published or last updated. The rise in people using ivermectin, an antiparasitic drug usually reserved for deworming horses or livestock, as a treatment or preventative for COVID-19, has emergency rooms so backed up that gunshot victims were having hard times getting in are getting access to health facilities, an emergency room doctor in Oklahoma said. This week, Dr. Jason McKeeley told KFOR, which is a local news station in Oklahoma, the overdoses are causing backlogs in rural hospitals, leaving both beds and ambulance services scarce. I'm laughing because I know the, 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 uh, the end of the story here. The ERs are so backed up that gunshot victims were having hard times getting to facilities where they can get definitive care and be treated, McLea said. <laughs> All right, so that's the article. That's the Rolling Stone article about over ivermectin overdoses, which I don't even know if that's possible to overdose on ivermectin, but nonetheless, that, that ivermectin overdoses is causing hospitals to not be able to accept gunshot wound victims into the ER because everybody's treating these ivermectin OD patients. <laughs> okay? All right, well, here's the truth. All right, so not long after Rolling Stone ran that article and Rachel Maddow and all the left-wing goons published and reprinted and retweeted that article, the actual hospital system that the doctor was referring to put out this statement in response to the Rolling Stone article. Reading directly from the press release from this hospital system. Although Dr. Jason McEley is not an employee of NHS Sequoia, which is the name of the facility, he is affiliated with a medical staffing group that provides coverage for our emergency room. With that said, Dr. Dr. McLea has not worked at our at our Salisaw location in over two months, which is the location he was talking about. NHS Sequoia has not treated any patients due to complications related to taking ivermectin. This includes not treating any patients patients for ivermectin overdose. All patients who have visited our emergency room have received medical attention as appropriate. Our hospital has not had to turn away any patients seeking emergency care. We want to reassure our community that our staff is working hard to provide quality health care to all patients. We appreciate the opportunity to clarify this issue, and as always, we value our community's support. So the entire Rolling Stone article that, that got everybody worked up, everybody's heart rate and, and blood pressure was up because people are ODing and ivermectin, well, it was all based on 
no truth. It wasn't like a half truth. It was no truth. It wasn't as if, well, there were some ivermectin ODs, but it didn't really cause the gunshot wound victims to not get admitted. No, no, there were no patients admitted to this hospital for overdosing on ivermectin. But Rachel Maddow and everybody else and their moms reposted this article and it took a day or two to, to correct it. And well, by that time, everybody's already read it, bought the lie, and then moved on. And that's my issue with getting it wrong on the front end and then coming back and correcting it three days later is you've already misled everybody. And how many people are going to come back to see their correction? I would bet not very many. Only people who care about the truth are going to go back and look for the correction. Another story um, about a, a, a non-truth, a lie, came out of the state of Mississippi. The Associated Press on August 23rd ran a story out of Mississippi, out of Jackson, Mississippi, about how the, the Mississippi Department of Health is warning people not to use livestock medicine to try to treat COVID-19 after poison control centers received calls about some, some ingesting it and becoming ill, including two people who were hospitalized. All right. So this Associated Press article first said that 70% of calls into the Mississippi a poison control center were about people taking too much ivermectin or taking uh, the ivermectin that is meant for animals. As it turns out, two days later, the Associated Press issues a retraction, and here's what it says. This story was first published on August 23, 2021. It was updated on August 25th to correct that the number of calls to poison control about ivermectin was about 2%. Incorrect information provided by the Mississippi Department of Health had said the number was 70%. Lies, lies, lies is what we get so often by the media. And people wonder, well, Walker, why don't you just trust what CNN says? Well, that's because we've caught them in a lie so many times. So every time I read a headline that just doesn't smell right, I'm going to go check it out myself, and I would encourage you to do the same. AFA at the course. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.